In this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss Jimmy Butler, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the NBA, and all things NBA. We touch on the Yankees Red Sox series, what the Yankees did right, what the Yankees ultimately did wrong, and how the MLB playoffs is shaping up. So come on out, check us out on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here with my boys, Al. Earl, what's good, fellas? Uh, talking and looking through high definition. Well, man, can't, can't beat that. Unless it's 4K. Yeah. <laughs> 4K is always good. No, this is not 4K, but it's oh. pretty darn good. Well, well shame on you, sir. <laughs> now you're going to talk about high definition. Don't talk about 4K. Well, it's webcam. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then we going to need you to step with 4K and let us know the 4K webcam is better than the high-def webcam. Hey, I can't. I can't, I can't boost the system anymore, okay? Touche. <laughs> Touche. I'm really going to say this once. I was watching the um, Raptors-Nets preseason and immediately turned it off after the third quarter. So I am ready to get started. Hey, you could use Jimmy Butler. Yeah, don't give me some. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that. <laughs> first, first off, let's let's recap what what I assume would be the, the probable outcome of the Boston Yankee uh, series, which I call Boston would probably win, and they went ahead and did it in four. I thought it would probably go five. Um, I did not watch any of the series because I'm kind of superstitious in the sense that uh, if I watch, I feel as though they're gonna lose. So I kind of just watched it and paid attention to it from afar, along with Earl and everybody else giving me updates as it goes when they're sticking up the joint. So I had to assume that if there's you know, something going wrong, I hear about it. And uh, outside of games ones, one, three, and four, <laughs> the Yankees played pretty – Pretty good baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you came out of your mouth and said that. Okay. One, three, and four. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, they came out the gate behind four nothing in game one, made it a game, and I believe they lost five four. And from what I was hearing, Earl and everybody filling me in that they had plenty of opportunities to pull out game one if they got hits in timely situations with bases loaded. But they didn't. <laughs> Game two, obviously, they came out played. Game three, you know, we could just forget about game three. You don't need to talk about game three. Uh, <laughs> that was the wood. That was the wood game. <laughs> right. Just, just kind of took you behind the shed and just just gave it all to you. <laughs> and then game four, they came out flat, but they still kind of made it a game. I don't know. Picking up two runs in the ninth uh, means anything, but. Obviously, the Red Sox are the Red Sox. I mean, they're, they, they aren't the best team in baseball for nothing. The Yankees has a great team, but obviously you could tell their pitching is definitely hurting them because their pitching, their starting pitching isn't all that great. And even then, sometimes the bullpen can be shaky at times as well. So I think – Yankees last season with them being one game away from the World Series was 
a shock to everybody because it wasn't expected. I think what you saw this year is what everybody expected, maybe a little bit more. But I think years, next year and the year after that, when they're going to go into free agency, pick up some better pitching, they may pick up another bat. They don't need to, but if they should choose to, so be it. But they need to go ahead and get another solid veteran pitcher, uh, somebody to shore up the rotation, and probably another solid veteran uh, bullpen guy. And I think next year they can sit there and contend for the AL East again. Uh, not taking anything away from the season, considering all the injuries that took place all throughout the season. Uh, hell of a season. Aaron Boone, first-year coach at any level. You coach a team to 100-win season, you get kudos from me. So Yankees, even though you didn't get where we would have liked you to be to the World Series, because we expect World Series every time we step on the diamond every season, you did us proud. Expect bigger things next year. Well, I mean, it, it like you said, th there were some chances. Definitely in game one, um, you know, you, they left, uh, you know, bases loaded, you know, twice and, and couldn't get a hit. Um, you know, you know, Jay Happ, the guy that, you know, you traded for and brought on, didn't do squat. But he really, <laughs> he really didn't do squat <laughs> really much of the season to begin with. No, well, no, no, no. Well, he, he had he, – he, he was consistent. I'll take that back. He was consistent. There you go. Because <laughs> that because the star rotation was anything but consistent. But he was sort of he was a little shaky down the stretch of the you know the stretch into the season and he got in that first game. But it was still five four and they had their chances. They should have won that game actually. Um, you know when you leave you know bases loaded twice. I mean, you know you gotta gotta make a make a play to happen and get at least one or two guys. You know you know, home, I mean, that would have been a difference in the game. Maybe we're looking at, you know, you know, a whole entire series. Maybe the series is still going on right now to a game number five. But, um, I mean, like you said, A's, I mean, their pitching, their starting pitching has been their source spot, and it's been their source spot for the last, what, going on three years now. I know Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman ain't George Steinbrenner, so he he's trying his best not to go in that piggy bank and make those – all the black person deals. You got Carlos Stanton, and you, they're paying this man a lot of money. And in this, <laughs> and in this series, he came up very, very small. I mean, um, let's call yeah. it spade a spade. He came up very, very small. Um, DD, he got the ligament torn. I don't know how he was even twirling that bat, but he was playing, you know, pretty good. Aaron Judge, the man, the man who <laughs> hopefully will be the one to um take over from um from um. El Capitan, he played. He played good. I mean, yeah. he he was doing he was doing his business. Pitching was all over the place. I mean, CC, you talk about going into the third inning, inning and being left in too long. That means he only should have played what pitched one inning. I mean, come on. Oh wow, it was that bad? Huh? There, well, he, he got to like <laughs> inning number. I think it was the third inning, and I think it was the third or fourth inning. And he lit up three runs, and everybody's crying. Well, they left him in too long. Well, how long are you supposed to leave his ass in for? What one one inning? Jesus Christ! So, but the pitching was just—I uh, mean, you got you got Chapman back, but he was kind of injured, you know, from most of the season. He came back, but he didn't look like he was fully there. Um, CC Sabathia—I mean, they have issues at pitching. Mm -hmm. 
how does Brian Cashman, you know, address that in the offseason? I don't know. But like you said, they overachieved and caught a lot of people, in my opinion, off guard last year. Yep. This year, I think the expectations were even doubled because you're bringing on Stanton. He doesn't do it. You bring him, you don't bring him on to hit 40, you know, home runs all through the season look good. You bring him on for this time of the year, October, when it's crunch time, when, you know, money's on the table. You bring him and you pay him all that money to produce, you know, all the way to the World Series. And unfortunately, he did he had a fairly solid year, but all Yankees fans are going to on look at is, what did you do postseason? What did you do October? And for what, I, for what a lot of Yankees fans see, it was Nothing. a bus. It was a bus. Yeah, just um, like A-Rod. Just like A-Rod when he first came over from Tetris. He didn't do nothing his first playoff season, but the next year, actually, it took him a couple seasons before A. Rod really got together. But I think he got it together when they won the World Series. Yeah, that was definitely him. That was what's coming out, and mm. unfortunately, that was that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I I'm hopefully he'll be okay. I mean, um, I think he got his first year, his first taste experience of what it means to be in you know a Yankee and playing in that environment. Um, he wasn't homegrown talent, so he's basically, you know, a mercenary coming on to play. So you either sink or swim. So I don't know what Brian Cashman does. I don't think he's going to spin the big chips to bring on some big pitching. Like, he doesn't need any hitting because I think you've got that sold up as long as you don't lose anybody. But right. pitching is what, you know, they need. They need another start. They need another starter. If they can get one more starter and rely on some of the young guns, I think they'll be all right. Maybe two, because CC, he says he wants to come back for one more season. I don't think he's coming back. I'll bring him back because he's that he's that valuable veteran presence in the pitching, in the locker room for, for pitchers who's been there that's battle-tested and showed that in, you know, the season before when they needed a big-time pitcher, he was that big-time pitcher. Now, I don't think you use him as a – I guess you would have to use him as your, your fifth-day starter. But uh, I don't know. I think because of who he is and, and the competitor that he is, I think you, should, you can give him a, a one-year, five- or seven-million-dollar contract, and I think he's willing to come back just because he wants to win that one. You know, he wants to win one more ship. But here's the question with that. Um, your, the main question is where do you, will you fit in – where would you fit him in – where both team, both the team and the player is going to be satisfied, because let's be honest, CC is not the same CC um, as years past. Um, so, you know, if you're going to bring him in to be a mentorship, he has to accept that role. Question is going to be, bottom line is, is he going to accept that role? That's really the question that you're going to have to have asked and answered <laughs> um, at this point. Um, First, well, I'm sorry, but first off, shout out to Boston for doing their thing. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah I, Boston gets no love up in this bitch. Nah, <laughs> nah wait, but wait, wait. You're talking to a true Yankees fan. Yeah, there. I know. I know. Nah, I know. nah I, no shout out to the Boston. I know. Yeah. I know. You. Hey, look. Look, I'm, it's all. If, if I'm rooting for the AL, it's got to be the Astros or bust. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. I understand that Yankees fans is not going to y'all give that kudos. I understand that, but I'm giving credit where credit is due. I'm not a Yankees fan, so it doesn't matter to me. 
Uh, but so I'm a all I'm a well-rounded sports person. So in doing that, I gotta give kudos where kudos is due. Now, with that being said, yeah, everything's all right. But it, now, with that being said, um, right. just knocked down on the side of me. Um, but that would be that being said, um, I think New York definitely. I agree with both with, with both of you guys said in regards to the pitching. Until they take care of that, and I think two pitchers, additional good pitchers, would be suitable for them. Uh, I don't think they could get a bye with just one. Um, with Boston being where they are right now, I think two would be. I, I, their focus should be on the pitching this season, upcoming um off season. So um, I really believe that the Yankees will get there in maybe another year or two. Um, I really see them challenging um, in the ALCS um, with Boston if they keep the, the, the group as is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I just think that overall, it was basically – we talked about this at the beginning of the season about New York. Um, as long as the pitching holds up, we thought that they was going to be – we knew that they was going to make the playoffs, but as long as – it all depended on the pitching. So, this is going to be an interesting offseason to see what the Yankees does, um, where they focus on who they bring in, who they're going to remove or take away, um, see what kind of additions are made to the team. I believe that overall, I found it very interesting how when Aaron Judge – I think – was it Aaron that – not Aaron um, – was it Judge? I forgot who it was. Um, played New York, New York, and Boston. Oh, that was, that was Aaron Judge in the boombox. Yeah, yes, man. and I think you—that's like just rattling a, a, a cage. I don't understand why would you why would you provoke a bear? Because I think that kind of put Boston was like, oh, okay. And then what they did after the fact when they actually won the series was kind of a bit of a payback. Well, so, well, I, I can't. I, if I had to sit there and look at it from the Yankees or the, the Yankees players' point of view, Boston didn't really didn't really have any real setbacks outside of Pedroia getting hurt. True. They didn't really have any setbacks with any of their main players, any of their main pitchers. Chris Sale, uh, he had a little setback. But their pitching was still that dominant where even though Chris Sale was out for a couple of weeks, they didn't really miss a beat. The Yankees, on the other hand – they lost pitching. They lost hitting. They lost uh, a lot of key, valuable players throughout the season. And I think that they looked at it as we still won 100 games. And we – Judge was in there. Uh, what's the catcher's name? Gosh, he's slipping. He's, uh, Sanchez was in there. Uh, part of their pitching was in there. Uh Didi was in there for, for a short period of time. I mean, a lot of their players, Greg Bird, even though when it came down to the end of the season, it was all about Voight more so than Bird uh, at first base. But a lot of their key stars missed significant time throughout the season, and they still won 100 games. So let me ask you a question. So if you think that if they were healthy enough, do you think they would have played Boston in the ALCS? I think if they were healthy enough – it would have been a lot closer to an AL East than what it was. I can't say the Yankees would have won because you can't put anything past Boston and the great season that they had. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't have been a nine and a half game 
distance between first and second. It might have been a half game. It might have been two or three games. But it definitely wouldn't have been nine and a half, ten games. But what I'm saying, would that change the position of the playoffs if the Yankees were healthy enough? Where Okay. No, because it would have been a reverse. Because let's say, for instance, the Yankees did overtake Boston Red Sox. Then basically you would have had Boston playing for the wild card position. And then if Boston wins, then it would have been flipped. It would have been – it still would have been Boston and New York. It just would have been – New York would have had home field advantage or then Boston. So it was just would have flipped. Right. But eventually, Boston would have won their playing game and they still would have played each other. And it would have just been home field advantage for the Yankees. Yeah. And still no guarantee that the Yankees would have won. Um I tip my hat to Boston only because it's 162 game season and they weathered the storm and they won. They were healthy and they came out of the East. If the Yankees were, if they played 80% of their roster healthy throughout the season, if they were 95% healthy, I think it would have been closer. I still don't know just because the pitching has always been their Achilles heel. The pitching played a hell of a lot better. They did a hell of a lot better the season before, so much better that they shocked everybody and made it one game from the World Series. And then the, the real pitching showed up <laughs> <laughs> this season, which should have been the real pitching from last season. It, so it's almost like the pitching should have been reversed. Like this season should have been last season, and last season should have been this season. And then you would have seen the progression when you also added uh, uh, Stanton to the, to the lineup then you would have seen something special, but they're so going to put it together. They're going to put it together. Uh, but, so, but basically what you're saying is that they, it didn't progress. It kind of took a step back. Pitching-wise, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the series in totality, I mean, the one game where they really got, you know, after shellacking was game three when they lost 16-1, and with uh, Judge playing New York, New York, I mean, if you give it to it, I mean, game one, the game was there to be had. I mean, they just didn't bring any people home. Game two, they smoked them, and the game two was played out in the same fashion as game one, except that New York pitching got all over, got all, got on top of Boston early, and they were playing from behind. And their, you know, you know, the bullpen was able to just kind of keep things at bay, and they just lit them up. So, I mean, if I'm Aaron Judge, I'm thinking, okay, we let game one get away. You smoked them game two, you would be thinking, like, it should be 2-0 with us going back to New York. I'd be feeling slightly cocky as well. And then it came out and got and got blasted. And almost Sanchez, you know, they came they had a nice rally in the ninth inning. Sanchez almost had a, um, a walk-off, you know, a walk-off home run, which would have ended the game. So um, I put like this. It wasn't the fact that the pitching was only quiet for really game – Three. <laughs> game three is where they just was like it was a disaster and it looked like they just packed it in early and, and kept it a day but if you think about it game game one and game four was tight it was just a couple of plays here and there that could have went either way game two the Yankees smoked them in the first couple of innings and there was a wrap after that game three Boston just had you know an explosion in one inning really and that was pretty much the end of it. I think they scored like damn near seven runs in friggin' one inning, and that was pretty much, and it was a wrap after that. So, 
I mean, yeah, the pitching underperformed. Um, the hitting outside of one game wasn't quiet, but, you know, the times when he needed to, you know, make a big play, you know, the big guys that you were expecting just didn't, you know, just didn't do it. Not Judge, because Judge actually played, had a pretty good – um. Um, had a pretty good series for himself, but um, no one had <laughs> exactly. I said he needed somebody else to have that signature defining moment, and like I said, everybody was waiting on Stan, almost with Sanchez, who had been up and down all friggin' season, but yeah. but so they, they, you know, Stan was on deck and he lifted and struck out, and that's going to see in the mind of Yankees fans, I'm sure yours, all until next spring. Actually, oh, yeah. all until next October, if mm-hmm. they get back to where they are right now, and you get the Yankees again. I mean, oh, Boston. And especially when you heard that Boston was uh, blasting Frank Sinatra uh, after they won the series in New York. I'm like, mm. And I know Yankees fans and Sinatra, you know, this Yankee baseball on the whole of Sinatra, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's real some uh, – punch a below the belt sort of thing. So, like you said, they're going to stew in this all season. They're going to come back stronger. They get – if Cashman goes out there and picks up that premier pitcher, remember that maybe <laughs> maybe secure some, uh, some, some, some good bullpen help. Not that the bullpen was bad, but you can never – you can always get better. They don't necessarily need to add a Machado. They don't need to add uh, Harper. But from my understanding, the Yankees were tenth in payroll spending. So if they want to, they can go ahead and flex their muscle a little bit and go out there and get somebody and add more beef to the offense. But they don't necessarily need to. But if they should, they should focus on pitching first. And if they go out there and focus on pitching and then take their young guns and just keep that core together, keep Bird, keep Voight, Keep everybody. I think next year, I'm not gonna say Boston can't repeat, but come on, there's no guarantee that Boston even make it out the ALCS because <laughs> Houston is uh, man, Houston is scary nice, scary nice. <laughs> they could, they could, uh, <laughs> they could go back to back. It wouldn't shock me in the least because they feel disrespected like hell. Did you hear the comments that they're talking about? <laughs> talking about they're the best team, they're the World Series champs. During the playoffs, and no, ain't nobody talking about them. It was all yeah. about Boston, New York. Yeah, hell, Boston, <laughs> New York, and the damn Dodgers. That's what <laughs> right. I said. <laughs> they get no respect, and they are furious about that. So it wouldn't shock me if they came out there and played eight, you know, primo baseball from here on out and went it back to back. But then, just like the Royals, they go back, back to back. They win one, they lose, they lose one, and then they go back to mediocrity. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> And then the big all. dogs come back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're little pups for a reason. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, and I'm sure like the two of you will be watching this, uh, the playoffs. You know, you'll catch it because it's baseball playoffs. Baseball, like we talked last week, last week is just a different breed of type of playoff than football or basketball. True. It just brings a different element of drama. So I know we'll be paying close attention to that. But shifting focus to the NBA. Which I don't really care about until after uh, after the All-Star break. Right. But then you have a person named Jimmy Butler. 
And he's going out here making all types of ruckus, demanding trades, and all types of crap. And Minnesota is trying to do their best to trade this one. Had some pretty good trade offers on the table, but they're just being greedy, asking for the world and the moon and the stars. So Jimmy Butler decides, you know what? I'm going to show up for the first day of practice. I'm going to show up late because that's who I am. And not only am I going to show up late, I'm going to take the third stringers off the bench and I'm going to tell Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and Thibodeau and the GM that you guys are a bunch of soft as cottonelle toilet paper. And I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat and stomp your asses with the third stringers. And he went out and practiced and did just that. They called them all types of bad names like the P word and soft and weak. I laughed when I read that. What, what, what was y'all takes on that? <laughs> I didn't hear all of that, but that is highly funny. I wish I could have been there for that one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, when you get an opportunity, he go went, to ESPN. He went in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He ain't denying it either. <laughs> and then he had the nerve to come out and say, well, if they had a problem with it, they could have stepped to me and said something. Ain't nobody stepped to me. As a matter of fact, Wiggins dapped him as he left the court. <laughs> and this was Wiggins, and his brother was talking all this smack on Twitter. <laughs> and then Wiggins is going to sit there and say, well, you got that. Gave him, gave him a pound and walked off the court. Boy, make Wiggins' brother look like a pure idiot. <laughs> wow. So, uh, he went to practice, came late, went to practice, played the first string with the third strings, and said, I'm going to kick your ass, and went in there and basically kicked the ass and told him what he was going to do the entire – you know what, if I'm Thibodeau, this is what I would do with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I would tell Jimmy Butler to go home and do not report back to the stadium, do not come and play until I tell you to come back. And when I tell you to come back, that's what I'm telling you where you're going. It's not where you want to go. It's where I'm going to send you. So leave the, leave the arena, leave the stadium, clear your shit out, and don't come back until I tell you to come back. And I'll leave it at that. But, but set foot and play on my court at all. That would be the last time. You but, but obviously, if Thibodeau's not trying to trade him, he understands that this is true. <laughs> I said what I would do. I said what Thibodeau would do. I said what I would do. That's blatant disrespect. Funny as all hell, but blatant disrespect. <laughs> he straight up told the GM, y'all ain't shit without me. Y'all need me. And he said, y'all effing need me. Y'all ain't shit without me. <laughs> and then then took the third stringers and then proceeded to whip the first team's ass. <laughs> like I said, that... <laughs> Like I said, if I was Thibodeau the owner, he, he wouldn't play for me. It's funny. Like I said, I wish I was there to see that. But. Um. Maybe we should uh, take a pause and pay some bills <laughs> right quick <laughs> with my bookie.com. We come back to this one. I'm just going to walk away while y'all do that right now while I'm laughing. <laughs> You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, we don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. And remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. 
That's what we always tell people to bet with my bookie. Now trust those guys, they are the best this season. They've been in business for years, they have great reviews online, and the mobile site is easy to use. Now just lay down some cash and win big today. And we only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most reward player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over and under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Now remember, use promo code GUYS100 to activate the offer and my bookie will match um, your listeners' first deposit 100% up to $1,000. Now remember, visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie, M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code GUYS100 when creating your account to claim the bonus. Remember, you play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back. And, and, and welcome back, sir. Uh, I, saw, I see you had a nice laugh. <laughs> Yo, I, I have to say that this by far was one of the most funniest thing that kept me going all day. Twitter had me at an uproar, had me crying, laughing about this. Let's, I'm, <laughs> the fact that he basically, Jimmy Butler, just proved what he was saying about them all along. And there's no disrespect to Cat or Andrew Wiggins, but he, nah, nah, that's disrespect. No, it is disrespect. But what I'm saying, I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving no disrespect. But if he's telling you as a team that you are soft and he comes in there and decides to take the third stringers and decide to play with them against the starters and proceeds to just beat, put a stomping on them. Like it wasn't even, he had all his emotions and everything was just, was just open. Calling out GM while he was there, calling out Tibbs, calling out Cat Wiggins, you name it. He was calling out the practice people, anybody, the referees that was there practice playing. He was calling out everybody and telling them, this is why you need me. And to go through all that and then walk out, nobody ain't challenged him or nothing. They just let him just, all right, you got that. And that was it. All jokes aside, Jimmy Butler does not need this team, <laughs> which is why he wants to be traded. And it's crazy the fact that Tom Thibodeau and whoever in Minnesota, whatever the case may be, is trying to get everything from other teams. They was offered first-round picks and young players and still rejected them because it wasn't, it wasn't exactly what they wanted from Jimmy Butler. I'm going to tell you this right now. Jimmy Butler is not going to be playing for Minnesota. Like, before, I was like, eh, you know, he requested to be traded. But he's defiant. Like, yo, I came in to show you exactly what I'm going to do when I play against you guys. This is exactly what's going to happen. He's already emotionally gone out of Minnesota. He's already focusing on whatever team gets me. When I play Minnesota, this is what's going to happen. And if I'm Minnesota – I would either move him someplace to the east, go back and renegotiate talks with the Heat, and try to get something, get that first round pick in Winslow, and just call it a day. Because you don't want this dude staying in the Western Conference. That's for sure. Because 
that'll be straight up, nonstop, just a butt kicking for whatever team he joins. And they better do something quick. But the whole problem right now is hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not to, to stop your flow, but mm-hmm. what if he went to Portland? Who is Portland giving up to get him? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's you know that's the you know like the only teams I've been hearing right now has been Miami and Houston, so that's the only teams I heard right now because oh, I know New York, Brooklyn, and LA ain't they've been off the table for a while now. So, but the problem is not really with Jimmy Butler. The problem is Tom Thibodeau. Like all jokes aside, like Tom Thibodeau cannot be a coach and the GM, the best, the president of operation. In Minnesota, that can't last because that's where the dysfunction is. It rarely works out, period. Yes, and you would think Minnesota would know that by now. As a matter of fact, I said that in a tweet. You would think that Minnesota would have learned the lesson from when what Kyrie did when he was in Cleveland because it's very similar the same way, except that Minnesota is holding off to try and get the biggest deal that they possibly can. And it's not working out for them. Thibodeau can't – I'm sorry. Right now, Butler is not a fan of Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins, especially after Carl Anthony Towns signed that extension, five-year extension now. So he's locked in to Minnesota, which is probably one of the reasons why Jimmy Butler wants to leave now. So you can't force this to happen. And Thibodeau should know that. Thibodeau should understood that from the jump. You can't bring in – the old Bulls team members and try to turn it into what you used to have in Chicago when you have this young nucleus is the future of Minnesota. You just can't. Whether it's Derrick Rose, whether it's Jimmy Butler, whether it's Todd Gibson, you know, whether it's Joakim Noah who will eventually get bought out. The point is, is that you have to be, you're the president of basketball operations. This should have been squashed a long time ago. And if you knew for a fact that this wasn't going to work, you can't force it going into this season, knowing that Jimmy Butler is not going to want to play there. So you need to do whatever you can right now to make a move before the season starts and get right the ship in Minnesota. Otherwise, if this dysfunction keeps going, as much as y'all want to – I mean, as good as Minnesota is as a team collectively, they won't make the playoffs like this. Did they last year? Yeah. But that's when everybody was still on, like, on the same page. They got swept, I think, in a – did they play? Did they play? No, they didn't play Golden State. They played Houston. Played Golden State. They played Houston. But, they, I mean, they need to end this Jimmy Butler saga now. All just aside. And, and Jimmy Butler is not making it any easy, easier for them to do it because that little stunt that you pulled there in practice, you made them all look bad. So now Minnesota – has to try to save face, but they don't want to just automatically sell, 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 because now it looks like a fire sell, and they're going to look like they're capitulating to a player, and I'm pretty sure Tom doesn't want to look come out as looking weak. No, but the thing about it is that Tom right now is thinking that he can get them to work together. That's the problem. Like, he's at a point where, you know, I, you know, I, I know Jimmy Butler, you know, I, I mean, I know him since Chicago. You know, I think we can work something out. But the owner is like, yo, let's get rid of this joker. If he's not want to be a part of, you know, all this, we got to get rid of him. And Tibbs is like, nah, you, you know, you, this is Jimmy Butler. Like, you know, 
it, it's so much dysfunction in, in within the team. It's just it's crazy. And but, it needs to be resolved. But it, it just goes to show that Thibodeau understands that Towns and Wiggins and everybody else is soft. Well, he doesn't want to get rid of them because he's like, all right, dude, yes, I see that. But I can't say that because I'm the coach. No, but he's the president of the operation. That's what I'm trying to say. He's the president of basketball operation. Like, if you were at a point where you feel as though that Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins was not that type of person that you want to keep on your team, why sign him to a five-year extension? If you want them to be the – you know, if you want him to be – if you got them established as the future of Minnesota, why would you sign them for – you know, why not focus on doing maybe a two-year thing or something like that? You control these guys' salaries and how long you could want to pay them. That's, I agree. I agree, but I'm thinking more so that even Thibodeau's realized, like, yeah, I don't think Jimmy Butler's going to say, so we can't sit here and lock him in for two years. We lose Butler, then we lose Towns all at the same time. Yeah, I agree, but, uh, again, as basketball of operations, when Jimmy Butler's telling you that I want to be traded, you can't just dally on your, you know, you got to find whatever trade is the best trade and make it, you know, whatever's the available, the best trade that was made to you and make that trade. You can't, you know, keep him on the sidelines. Like, Jimmy Butler needs to be in preseason. He should be playing preseason right now. But you got them on – because Jimmy Butler is not going to play for Minnesota, regardless of what coach – you know, if Tom tries to keep him for another year, he's not going to want to play there. He'll sit out. You know what I'm saying? He he expressed interest that he wants to be traded. He does not want to play in Minnesota. So why would you keep him there? You're right. Why would you keep him there? Like I said, he's not making it easy for anybody because that little stunt you pulled just pisses everybody off. You know, the GM, the owner, when you're calling out – now, granted, it may here be the truth, but you are making a, situ- you're making a bad situation worse, and you want these people to trade you but then you're publicly berating them and the team. And so now if I'm, you know, the owner or the GM, I could be like, I ain't got to send you anywhere. I can send you home until you're not to play, but I am under no obligation to send you anywhere you want to do. And they can tell him not come, and he can do a Kawhi Leonard and just not play for a season. But you know what? I think what Butler did today was brilliant. Only because, yeah, he pissed off the GM, the the owner, Thibodeau, whomever. But I don't know if he made it so that everybody recognizes just how soft Wiggins and Towns is or how much of a great uh, great player Butler is. And despite if he doesn't even play and he sits till February or if he just sits whenever, that he'll still command a top time, you know, a top contract for wherever he's going to go because he just showed that in one practice that he could take a bunch of nobodies. Somebody's going to be bagging groceries here in six weeks and beat the starters of the Timberwolves. Well, it, it is practice. I mean, ain't nobody really going full tilt. <laughs> but, but but now you got somebody not going full tilt, but he's calling you out, calling you all types of cotton tissue. <laughs> And, you and, don't play hard. <laughs> and that's the and that's the and this is what kills me because he called you out, but yet you still didn't do nothing about it. So all it does is it validates what he's been saying all along. And at the end of the day, I agree with you, Adrian, because as soon as this came out, 
Miami now is re-engaged in talking with Minnesota because now they're saying, well, guy, if, they could, if he could beat them with third stringers, you know what I'm saying? Like, then we need to see what else we can do as far as the talks is concerned to get him to Miami. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a catch-22, but I, from, what I'm t- from what I can see so far, it seems as though it's worked because now teams are coming in with interest in saying, hey, look, I'm, I, let's see what you have, you know, let's see what we can offer and give you for Jimmy Butler. So. Shit, if the Wizards were smart, they'd give a bill for his ass. <laughs> Dwight Howard, man, he's injured already. Dwight Howard, no. Dwight Howard is injured? Is he being injured right now? His back, because he had to get a shot in his back. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, he'd be right. <laughs> I was about to say, dang, he down already? <laughs> I was like, dang. But no, uh-huh. I think I think uh, Butler for uh, – for, uh, Bill? For Bill, yeah. Why not? No, I, I can see I, I that. Think, I think they'll part with Wall before they'll part with Bill. Exactly. They don't, but they don't need a point guard. They got team. Hey, chemistry issue right now. So. Exactly. But no, they, they got rid of Gortat. <laughs> no, 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 no. You really think that getting rid of Gortat will, will kubaya the Washington Wizards with Howard, Wall, and Bill? Well, you know what, though? They're not going to get rid of Wall just because – they value all. They value a point guard more so than they value Bill, because they can come in and get Butler. I'm gonna tell you right now. Do not be surprised if Austin Rivers gives Wall a little run. You think so? They play pretty much the similar similar styles. Like all jokes aside, if Wall ever gets injured, like God forbid he gets injured for like a week or two, watch how Austin Rivers run that team. And you'll see a difference. So why couldn't you do that in the Clippers? Doc. After after Paul left. Doc. So his father. I that whole chemistry was off with, with him his father being a coach. Yeah, I I'm no very way. interested to see how he runs the team. He'll run a team with the with Doc not being his coach. Yeah, he very. had no business being with the Clippers. It, it just Yeah. The optics didn't look good. Not to say that you couldn't and you shouldn't, but this wasn't a great look. Yeah, it wasn't a great look. I mean, chemistry was way bad. Like, to be honest, the chemistry – so that's the dysfunction of just all around, whether it was DeAndre, Chris, or Blake at that time. You know, Austin was just like the icing on the cake. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but I, I – look, he, he'll be playing somewhere else this season. It's just a matter of when. And um, right now, he seemed like the people talking the most um, – what they're willing to part with is going to be a different story. But apparently if they're talking, they're willing to part with something. And right now, if I'm heat, I'll lowball them just to be like, look, you want to get this dude off your hands and, and, and out your house, you know, take this offer or, you know. Yeah, and it's funny because Miami offered Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Josh, Josh Richardson and a first-round pick. Like, you can't – I mean, they gave up. A pretty penny just to get bring back Jimmy Butler. That's a that's a hell of a lot. Yes, that's a, that's a great trade right there. I, I, and if I'm, I'm like everybody else was like, yeah, well, that's a good trade. Why not just make that move? Like seriously, you get back Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow. So what's the problem? But Minnesota is asking a lot more for that. Yep, being greedy. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And you can see what happened with uh, with uh, San Antonio trying to be greedy with Kawhi. 
and then see what they ended up with. <laughs> I, I I can't say it's an equal trade because <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm that was just a, that was just to get get out of here trade. <laughs> yeah, just go. I'm, I'm, but I'm gonna be honest with you. After seeing Toronto play just this preseason against the Nets, Toronto's going to give Boston a run for their money. I'm marking that right now. I would not be surprised if Boston – between Boston and Toronto, one of those two teams is definitely going to make it to the finals. I don't. I have a feeling that some of those people on that Boston roster might not be with the Boston roster by the end of the season. What? Oh, you get great. I – uh, Danny, I could see the trade. Oh, you think Marcus Smart gonna go get going? <laughs> you had that team. No, he ain't no punk. <laughs> I mean, you had that team without Gordon Hayward for all the season, and then Kyrie was hit and miss, and then he was kind of out like what the third quarter of the season or fourth quarter of the season, mm-hmm. and then they made that run without Gordon Hayward, without Kyrie, and he looked pretty good. Up until the last, you know, few games, but they look pretty darn good. Now you bring back Hayward, you bring back Kyrie. How they're all going to mix? Because now you got all these guys that got live experience. I don't know if everybody's going to be fully comfortable just taking a back seat when they had, you know, you know, top positions, you know, going into the playoffs. So there might be a few hard feelings. There might be some disgruntled players quietly. So I can definitely see, depending on how the ship runs. Maybe a piece here or two may not be here by the end of the season, and you can use a piece here or two for players or draft picks. And if I know Danny Ainge, he's probably thinking, let me see how this team looks mm-hmm. for the first month or two, and then you can probably better gauge who he might be willing to part with. Because somebody on that, somebody's going. I don't, they, they, they're not going to keep it all like that. Because somebody's going to lose a lot of time, somebody's going to complain, and you have a lot of assets to trade to get back some draft picks. So, so do you think he would trade Kyrie? After he came out and said that he wants to stay, means he nothing. He wanted to stay. Means nothing at this point until you have to see how the team looks with him over the first month or two. Yeah, I agree with that. Because. Um, I, this team has really never played together fully healthy. So right. you have to definitely see what you got with this team. And I think – Nope. Oh, we lost him. Right when he was about to say he thinks. <laughs> he thinks. I think we think. Ah, you think he's back. <laughs> that was very weird. <laughs> but – something. <laughs> yeah, I think it was telling me something and letting me know. Um, real quick, I just thought that it was just, you know, I'd be interested to see what they do. Um, come midseason, they'll reevaluate the team and just take it from there. But they definitely need to let this team play out and see what they got um, since it's the first time that they're healthy. I'll tell you what, though, if that team looks bad out of the gate for the first month and a half, woo, you know somebody really, really going to be out the door. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, but, that's a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think, like I said, Toronto, Boston, and maybe my Milwaukee is going to be the top three teams out of the East. Oh, forget Philly. Forget Philly. Top four teams. <laughs> no, who did you say the top four was? I got 
Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly. I can see that. With yeah, Milwaukee has some something to prove considering they underachieved last season. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but um, we'll see what happens with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> That's for sure. Because that soccer is definitely not stopped nor dying down anytime soon. Well, I wish I was in that in that practice, boy. And <laughs> I just been giggling my ass off. The hell with that. Yeah, like, back and forth there. on social media is fun. I'll probably you gonna sit there and let him call you a bitch like that? <laughs> what? You a bitch? Word? Hey, you a bitch. <laughs> I'd have been laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah, right there. No, that was like a supreme that was a supreme version of a trash talker in your face. <laughs> and then he, during the, with Rachel Nichols, he was like, Well, I mean, yeah, it probably wasn't the best way to go about it, but I hadn't played basketball in so long. It was just my emotions because this is what I love. I'm a hard you know, I play hard. I was like, mm. I'm sure he plays some pickup ball somewhere. <laughs> He's chilling it, probably playing at them life um, centers where LeBron and Melo and all them be playing at. Well, Melo needed to re- reconstruct himself because it's such a bad season he had. And, uh, I ain't gonna front. He he's playing actually. He's adjusting to the Houston Rockets system, which I is is working for him. To be honest, it's working for him. Well, that just goes to show that last season, though he took the trade and was happy to be out of New York, he wasn't happy where he was. Yeah. Because he could have took that same role and been that same dude in Oklahoma City, but just didn't want to be the – he didn't want to play the second flute to Russ. But I can see the difference now where if he gets the ball where he needs to be, he's good, where Melo can thrive off of that. He wasn't getting the ball to – Russ wasn't going to give him the ball where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Chris Ball is more of a distributor than a scorer. And that fits M- Melo a lot more than Russ is, where Russ is more of a scorer than a distributor. I mean, he'll still get his triple doubles, but you could tell, like, where Melo is when you see him play in Houston against where he was playing in OKC, you could see the difference of, okay, I, you know, he feels more comfortable. But how does Paul? But how does Paul George fall into that? Well, to be honest, Paul George falls into it similar to how KD was with OKC. I mean, to be honest, that's really the bottom line. It's just Paul George is just more comfortable. Is a little bit more comfortable, and he has more of an identity with Russell than does Melo, because. To be honest, Paul doesn't really have to be that scorer to be that person that OKC needs. Melo is a scorer from day one. And when you have someone like Russ there, who is also a scorer first mentality, um, it's kind of hard. It's definitely kind of hard. Chris Ball is more of a distributor, even though James Harden is more of, is a scorer, but he does distribute like gives you the passes that you need. He'll take that chance on you before he gets himself going. So, you know, they see the seven, the Mike D'Antoni system, and, you know, it flows for Melo than what it was in OKC. Which I find funny because he had a a very similar system in New York, and for whatever reason, it just (laughs) – Well, I'm going to be honest with you. He ain't have – outside of Melo, Melo himself, he ain't had nobody reliable to hit those shots. 
Well, no, you're right. He has different horses here in Houston than he had in New York. Exactly. So. Exactly. So as long as, as long as Harden and Paul and whoever is making their shots, Eric Gordon, they have people that can score. So as long as they're doing that, Melo's going to be good. He's going to be good. Yeah, I haven't seen Houston play any preseason games yet, so I'm be very curious to how that goes out. I mean, but I agree. It, it, it never looked like a good fit with Melo in OKC. Um, Never, never really did. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. True, true, true. Well, fellas, you know how we do. We can sit here and talk this crap, and we'll be talking all night long. And unfortunately, we sleepy. We old. <laughs> we older. Put like that. We age like fine wine. <laughs> A little more seasoned. Yeah, you know. There you go. Not with seasonal. You know, we use. Other seasons, just seasonal, you know, garlic powder, onion powder, <laughs> a little sage, thyme, you know, a little Italian seasoning. We <laughs> said a little Italian seasoning. <laughs> but fellas, where, where folks, where, where can folks find you, you know, if they want to reach out to you in, that, in the social media world? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, the gram, and um, Twitter, gram, Snapchat, J-E-R Ross, number seven. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Again, Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. You can find me on Twitter, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. So, fellas, it's a pleasure. You know, next week we'll be sitting and touching on uh, a little bit more of uh, MLB. I'm sure we'll have some new news about uh, Jimmy Butler and where he might be playing next season. Or he might be sitting next to Thibodeau on the bench giving advice to Carlisle New Towns not to be so soft as Cottonell. No, no. Shout to Piscataway. Oh, wow. <laughs> I see you, Carl. <laughs> Anywho, it's always fun we can get together and just talk about things that we like to talk about in that sports. So, you know, no further ado, I'd like to wish everybody a good night. My bookie, we see you, we love you. Make sure you go check out my book. You place those bets. I'm sure they got some good ones out there. I'll give you guys a couple dollars. I know. I'll be out there trying to win myself a couple dollars. But meanwhile, we're going to go ahead and take it down. Until next time, it's Earl, Al, A. Hey, this guy's talking stories. We'll see you when we see you.